What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And y'all, I got a dope guest for y'all this week. I know I say that every week. It is true every single week. But I wanted to remind y'all of some dope ways to support and continue to support the show besides, you know, listening. Like one, like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show, find us, all that stuff. So do that when you get a chance. Number two, follow RTWD on IG at RTWD Podcast and send your boy a DM. You know, I'm a words of affirmation kind of person. Or, you know, send your thoughts on your favorite episode, send some constructive feedback, make sure it's constructive, or just say hi. I, I always respond to those just say hi messages. And finally, by joining the Real Fam Patreon page, by financially supporting the show, you are literally helping me run the show because this ain't free. So um, I know also, I know uh, some of you, I said this before, that you joined the Real Fam and I owe you some items. I'm going to get you those items. I have just been really busy with building my company, um, which is Common Culture. If you didn't know, now you know I'm building that thing. It's a lot of work. But those things are coming, I promise, and I'll make it up to you. I'll do something extra for you. I don't know what I'm going to do. Virtual happy hour, something like that. Yeah, that might be fun. Uh, anyways, um, now on to the guest. This week, I am joined by Mariah Poitier. Goes by the pronouns she, her. Is a Black femme, Bay Area native, and scholar activist. She loves dismantling white supremacy almost as much as she loves the dance. <laughs> that gives me every time. And she enjoys the NorCal and SoCal dual lifestyle and procrastinating on her thesis. Mariah currently is a graduate student at San Francisco State University, studying um, getting her Master of Art in Education with a concentration in equity and social justice. I don't know if y'all noticed, but I have never really mentioned where I went to school for graduate school or undergrad. Um, there is a reason because uh, for that, because like trauma, and you don't get free exposure for trauma. So I'm not going to ever say that um, where I went to school. But that is why I had a great time talking to Mariah because she went to the same undergrad school that I did, and she's going to a different graduate school. And we got to chopping it up one time, and she shared about how her experiences are drastically different. So from that conversation, I knew I had to get her onto the pod. So we talk about her experiences in grad school, her research, which is really fascinating, and I, I can't wait to see what comes out of it, what it's like to be a double agent living in NorCal and SoCal. Um, this was a really fun one. She's a great time. All right, y'all. Here's Mariah. Mariah, thank you so much for joining Uh the podcast i really appreciate it how are you doing i'm doing great the sun's out you know mm -hmm. we're still procrastinating on my thesis so <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good day it's a good day <laughs> i feel that which uh where are you at what which agent am i talking to this time am i talking to norcal or am i talking to socal right now i'm in norcal right now but it is sunny, okay so i i can understand why it may be a little confusing but <laughs> i'm gonna be here for a few weeks then I'm going to go back and then I'm going to come back again. You know, I just, I don't like to be tied to a specific yes. location, you know? I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yo, so, um, so I know you obviously, but mm -hmm. I would love for you to share, you know, a little bit about Mariah with the real fam. Um, yeah, just, so who is, who is Mariah? Okay. Um, as Jonathan mentioned, my name is Mariah. Um, I'm in my last year of grad school. I was ooh, born ooh. and raised in the Bay. Yee. 
Oakland Raiders <laughs> till I die. Um, Warriors, Las Vegas, but um, I feel you. You know, I, I haven't accepted that they left. So okay. I, they're still here in my head. I They're still here. The Coliseum is still there, you know? I got you. <laughs> um, I, I literally live, breathe um, social justice. Like, ever since... Um, I got many radicalized in high school, but once I went to the school that shall not be named, I got super mm-hmm. radicalized and um, everything I do, like if you follow me on Instagram, I always post about something social justice related. I try and like combine my scholar and my private life with all things activism, even with mm-hmm. my boyfriend, like he'll say something offhanded and I'll be like, listen, you're part of the patriarchy, sir. So we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about this and we're, and we're going to address the misogyny, the internalized. <laughs> yes. yes. We're, we're going to walk through this. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I'm super intense about it, um, which if yeah. anyone knows me, that's, like that's it and I love to dance um actually background dance for Beyonce once when I was 17 it's pretty oh, get it I didn't know that you did it <laughs> that's your no I'm like, part of the beehive you better get it <laughs> um that was my first and last professional dancing gig because you can't top Beyonce like what's the point no. of like you know like I could have tried professionally but I'm like I already did it so yeah okay get it know? all right so I you know I I tried to do everything I'm I'm real basics, just a black woman into social justice and dances and travels around to keep myself sane. That's that's I feel that (laughs) that's good. That is good. Uh and also I mean, just like you said, like how do you top I mean, you know, how do you top dance being a background dancer for Beyonce? That's wild. All right. That's cool. Wait, can we talk about that a little bit? Like how did that how did that happen? Like you you can't just drop something like that and just be like, oh, this is like two truths two truths and a lie like i did a background dance for beyonce what yeah it's super random so this is my senior year of high school um i was on my high school dance team and mm-hmm. um my senior year was when super bowl 50 and super bowl 50 was at levi stadium which is up here in the north like in the norcal and mm-hmm. i remember someone came up to our dance like after a halftime show of ours um someone came to our coach and was like hey um we're doing the halftime show for a super bowl you should have your dance team audition and mm. it seemed super sketch because it was just this random person who just like walked up to our code and it just said like me at the fairgrounds which if you ever been to any fairgrounds it's just like a big empty like lot so we show up i would say this was in january of 2016 we just show up they said to wear black and white and mind you like there's like semi-professional dancers there's actual professional dancers here so they're like mm-hmm. full makeup full glam when i was 17 mm-hmm. i didn't even know what eyeliner was like i was just walking around like so confused like what's going yep. on we're sitting in this we check in we sit in this abandoned building for like two hours no one's here <laughs> like, no one is here and then someone walks in okay five six seven eight let's go <laughs> no all right y'all i'm gonna head out <laughs> Everyone is just like, is this a joke? Like, what's going on? So then we mm. stretch. And then with 10 minutes, they teach us, like, this dance routine. And I normally, I'm really bad at picking up choreography. But I, but it was rumored, like, Beyonce didn't confirm, but it was rumored she was going to do the halftime show for the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. So we were like, oh, like, the, like 
if we get this, like, it'll be for, like, Beyonce. So, like, mm. I go full beast mode. I can't even do splits. I do splits on the ground. I'm like, woo! Like, <laughs> let's go! <laughs> like, I remember, like, I have never danced that well, like, in my entire life. Probably will mm. never again. And <laughs> then they left. And we were just like... <laughs> okay and then we i don't know eat. how i feel about this and the way that this starts out is just i'm it, nervous it's so yeah. sketchy and then yeah um they email our coach is like oh your team got like chosen like you are gonna be like field dancers um during the halftime show we can't say anything your team can't say anything so mind you we're like an official like sports team on campus going to these secret like rehearsals at levi stadium wow. and that year was Beyonce, Bruno Mars, and Coldplay. Who cares about Coldplay? But oh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was that it was that year. And I remember like they're just teaching us routines to instrumental songs. And like this was before Beyonce dropped formation. This was the day before. Like mm. she did, she dropped formation right before the Super Bowl. So we're like li- seeing her like perform and we're like, what is this song? Like da, 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 da. and then she dropped formation and we're like, oh my God. Like, like we heard something that wasn't heard before. And then day of super like we got costumes, day of Super Bowl, like they took us on this like yellow school bus, like into Levi Stadium. And wow. we danced like when um it was like Beyonce, Coldplay, and Bruno Mars were on stage together. Um and then they single filed us out. They're like, You stay in the stadium, you're gonna get fined. And we're like, okay <laughs> and oh, so you had to leave right after that we had to leave they wouldn't let us oh. they, they didn't they didn't let us bring our phone they didn't like there was no food <laughs> like like it, it was very it was like we weren't allowed to talk to anybody they're like you're only allowed to talk to like people in the black shirts if you talk to anybody else like you're gonna get removed and someone snuck into beyonce's like outside of beyonce's dressing room oh. <laughs> and they got removed oh um, it was it was a whole thing like I just remember like and we were in sorry I'm like remembering different parts of the story go ahead I'm I'm like I'm (laughs) I'm in I'm immersed in the story I remember one night this was a week before Super Bowl and like I don't know like it's hard to describe Levi Stadium but it's like a dome with no lid so like Mm. when it's windy like the wind kind of just circulates like on the inside of the um, okay, okay. Of the stadium. So and I remember okay. like it was like a day or two before and Coldplay because like we were running the show like over and over again. And so the order went like Coldplay, Bruno, then Beyonce, then everyone. And Coldplay okay. had like a mini meltdown. Like the leader guy, Chris Martin or whatever his name is, he's like, the mood isn't right. I need to go. And then just like leaves and we weren't allowed to go until we ran it three times. And he has this episode at the end, uh, like right before we start the third run. And mind you, it is like 11 PM, like in like freezing cold, like everyone's nose is running. We're all hunched over and we're just like, all this for Beyonce. Like, we get to dance for Beyonce. Like, we're literally just, like, hunched. Like, we're Beyonce. We're Beyonce. And, and it was one of those things, like, literally the only souvenir I had, they gave us a Super Bowl 50 hat that the cast got. Um, but we, like, I remember being like, 
uh, this was a cool experience, but this is probably not how I want the rest of my life to go. Wow. I know, like, when you're, like, a professional dancer, like, that's the thing. Like, if, like, when Justin Bieber walks off stage and, like, you're supposed to be rock around dancing, you're like, oh, I guess not. Like, you know, like, if artists have these little temper tantrums, like, mm-hmm. you know, but Beyonce was fantastic. The closest I probably would ever be to her. I walked right by Jay-Z and Blue Ivy. Didn't re- did not realize it was him because I just saw him, like a black guy like walking past. I was like, oh hi. And just like kept walking. And then I was like 20 steps past. And because he said hi back, because we just gave each other like the black person nod. The like black it wasn't person like, nod, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, like I th- I know this is Jay-Z. And yeah. literally I like walked, I'm like, yo, that was Jay-Z. Then I yep. turned back, and then he was just still walking. I was like, well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, his wife is here. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I mean, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. Wow. Wild See? Time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. And also, it just affirms that, like, you know, it's not as glamorous as as everybody makes it be. Oh. It, it really ain't, like, it's all this really stuff. I, I, like, I've been on, like, sets before, and like it is the most like even being a model is not as glamorous as it's long long ass days mm-hmm. and then like you kind of sort of eat and then like you just stand there and people just take pictures and tell you what to do and you're a statue and then just i don't know yeah okay that's how i ended my senior year thinking life was just gonna get better and then we ended up at the school that shall not be named and i was like ah. yeah you <laughs> yeah that i was trying to figure out how i was gonna transition that but thank you for the layup oh. so yeah we went to the same undergraduate school i don't yeah i don't i don't name it i don't give it free press um but you were wait was i working there when Mm -hmm. you were a student yeah okay all right so uh there is a little bit there is a uh, decent gap uh so um (laughs) so um we've talked offline about this but we've had very similar experiences and like it was separate like we've had similar experiences obviously you're a black woman so I'm not even going to equate to that because there's other dynamics as far as like, well, I'll just, I'll just go into it. Like as far as like black women and black men, like there is an end for me to um, that I was able to take advantage of and get into the circle, right. Mm -hmm. Into like whiteness and being proximity um, that black women straight are not allowed, especially in evangelicalism. Like black women are, are literally just not given that same um, leeway or, 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 um, pathway into evangelicalism or, 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 or whiteness in that way. And so your experience obviously would be drastically different, but somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. Um, without drudging up too much trauma. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If I, I can't promise that. <laughs> yes. What? Uh, when, oh, let me ask this first. When did you decide to uh, go to grad school? I decided... Um, I did research at said school and I really enjoyed it. And my professors were just like, yeah, like grad school is kind of the time in PhD when you will be able to do research. And I was like, okay, like that sounds cool. And I Mm -hmm. applied, like not really thinking like, oh yeah, like I'm going to do this. And then I got in and then I was like, Mm -hmm oh, I guess I'm a go. And mind you, this is also during the panini. So like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. find, like, like literally couldn't find a job, like stuck in my mm. parents' house, like might as well get a degree <laughs> while we all stuck yeah. indoors, right? Like, yep. 
Okay. And then, damn, so did you go right after then? After yeah. you graduated, you started right after? I started right after. Oh, damn, girl. Back to really? Back. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> I'm tired, Jonathan. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. Oh, man. Um, how has your learning experience been different at SFSU? I can say that I feel like my my knowledge has deepened significantly, not just because obviously the content is like so focused on equity and social justice, but mm. students are able to bring their full selves to the classroom. Like mm. I have like a non-binary, like femme black professor who like brought that to the classroom, like, or like, you know, just like different people who could do that while they're at our other school, like you couldn't be like queer publicly. Like you couldn't bring that lens, which is on top of being a valued part of someone's identity, but also like a critical, like thinking, like certain pedagogy, certain frameworks are like framed around certain identities that aren't um, like the norm. I'm using air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, it's super, it's super cool that I'm able to be immersed in such wide variety. Like I even have like a Muslim classmate, which like I haven't Mm. had since high school, you know? So it was just like, I just feel even that's not even having to do with the class, but just being able who you can talk to, think things through, because even Mm. like being at the type of school we were like there were certain things that we just mutually understood like we're gonna say this is truth and not discuss it any further yeah rather like in this academic space like like it's different you know so yeah I I really enjoyed that aspect of it and I feel like I've grown in in my awareness of different things that I didn't know at Vanguard like I didn't know about the whole like pronoun things until grad school because yep, I, yep. I think, I don't know why they don't tell people like this, because like, you know, like <laughs> I'm over here looking stupid. Like, what are people doing? Like, what is, yep, yep. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then realizing that the whole world has been doing this for like a while. I was like. For a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You late. Yeah. That's, that's why I, and I think about, and I haven't even. It's taken me a second to even like can make that connection, but like I haven't experienced that until like I I can't remember the last time I experienced that until like high school because I went to school with like all kinds of folks, mm-hmm. um, and at that time I was like so in evangelicalism, Christian Christendom, all that stuff, in a way that was like incredibly unhealthy, and so like I was just not I didn't know the value of what I had, like you know what I'm saying, like the the purpose and, and space for education, and we don't a lot of educational institutions don't do it this way. But it's just like, it is to question. Mm-hmm. It is to have questions and figure it out, not to like have these solutions, just a solution. And then the job of a professor or a teacher is just to give it to you. I don't think that that's necessarily education, mm-hmm. um, not how education was initially started. It really is like thinking, mm-hmm. like really like teaching folks how to think. I know for a fact our institution and institutions very similar to it, like particularly like Christian private Christian institutions don't, a majority of them don't teach people how to think critically. They mm-hmm. teach them, they indoctrinate them with this Christian faith. Um, and then you see everything through that lens, mm-hmm. everything. And so like, you can't even have an actual dialogue uh, with uh, somebody who is 
Muslim or somebody who is Buddhist or anything like that, that has a different practice where you actually, if you look at what they believe in other practices, like you have a lot of common ground, Mm -hmm. like you don't need to. So it's, it's wild. It's wild. So like even being around other people that have from different cultures, backgrounds, uh, identities, it really like lends itself to like further exploration to like the world. And, but also more critically, like yourself. I don't know. I minored in philosophy, so I'm just going yeah. down that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, no, thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you have valued the most in your graduate program thus far? Valued? I would say it's the fact, like, this sounds really basic, but the fact that I remember my first class, my professor said, we all know racism is real and white supremacy is real, right? Got it. Cool. Mm. Like there was, there was like a baseline of like where everyone was. Like mm. I just feel like, especially like doing DNI for as long as I did, and like doing like some gender stuff on campus. Like, like people weren't there, <laughs> and yeah. it was always yep. like there was only a certain level you can get to because usually you just get to the point where people start to have like the guilt phase. Which, like, mm-hmm. power to you, you have to get through the guilt phase, but, like, what am I supposed to do about it? Like, mm-hmm. I, like, apologizing to me for what? Like, that doesn't yep. fix anything. So it's it's really nice just to have, like, just to know that there's some non-ignorant people in this world. Um, and even, like, in my program, there's different, like, social justice practitioners, like, some you know, are in classrooms, some like work in different areas. So even just seeing Mm. like people like do this work in their varied arenas is Mm. super dope. And I just think the culture of SF State is just so different. Like being Mm. where we were like location wise in Southern California, like, like had a certain vibe about it that wasn't that positive. But like every time I go on campus, like we have like a vaccine mandate. So like everyone's vaccinated there, but like everyone's wearing their mask. Like everyone's careful. Like, like, like there's like an air of mindfulness <laughs> that people mm. have and that yeah. there's like a genuine care for like another person that I mm. never experienced outside institution, which, yeah. um, which is wild because you would hope like, SF State is like 20,000 people. Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't feel like, mm, like at a school that big. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And even like how SF State allows people to have like different spaces on campus. Like, I know no higher ed institution is perfect. All of it's based on like white supremacy and all these things. And given yeah. where we came from, like, <laughs> it's like going from like an abusive relationship to like, an okay dude who don't hit you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, like yep. it's it's still drastically different. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like went on tangent, but yeah. No, you you definitely answered your, you definitely answered my question. I'm just thinking, yeah. Just like the one that hits me all the time is like just like the the faux care, like the fake phony uh, care that that was just so prevalent at that that place and always felt like there was something like hidden behind it Mm -hmm. or like or like their care didn't necessarily match what we needed or wanted and so like I actually don't want to talk to you Mm -hmm. I don't need you to like I don't need to talk to you like I have my own group of people I actually need space from you like Mm -hmm. I saw a meme the other day it said when the problem (laughs) 
<laughs> when the problem asks you what's the problem it's just like <laughs> you <laughs> you <laughs> you <laughs> so, so it's just like um it's um yeah i i i've experienced that going somewhere where you really don't think that you're going to be cared for the way you do like i i just think about like my old um my old job shout out like my team because like um i like love them like we got so close during covid like we got so close and mm -hmm. sent gifts to each other just randomly i thought about you i bought this i bought this for your kid like i thought about you i sent this to just like stuff like that and never experienced that kind that kind of care like actual care and i think i've experienced love and care and all those other things much more um outside of those institutions that claim to to give that so hard wholeheartedly. And I, I would say that there's other folks that do do that well in those institutions, but for the most part, I, I didn't experience it. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think of, um, I don't know, I'm really into like learning about like cults and stuff and not to say said institution mm. was a cult. It definitely had cult-like tendencies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then... quack like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> and it was sort of like, like she like listed all these steps. Like it was like the Scientology, like one that Leah Remy did. But like mm. one thing that came up a lot was the whole toxic positivity thing. And mm. I remember mm. when I, when they were explaining it and I was like, that was like the whole like first year of mm. like, cause I remember like feeling like, I feel like something bad is about to happen. Like, why is every like this niceness is not genuine. Why is everyone being so nice? Like I like something about it felt off and it was so like extreme like even like move-in weekend when they're like whoa like you're coming like da -da -da -da. and like <laughs> while i know some people at said institutions are actually like that <laughs> um yeah. give them a year <laughs> not yeah. like that you know so it's just like wow like are even like you know signing a contract or like the fact that you tell on other people when they're not acting accordingly like there were certain mm. things that was just very like hmm this mm. sounds rather familiar to like an experience i had not so long ago you know <laughs> mm. 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 mariah <laughs> I feel like I, I, I triggered you a little bit there. My bad. Well, I'm not triggered. I'm just saying, like, you know, I just think back to my experiences. and I'm like, this is weird. Like, literally the whole first year, I'm like, this is weird. Like, this don't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of, like, I think my go-to survival mechanism is to fit in and to mm -hmm. become invisible. Like, mm -hmm. literally, like, fit in, become invisible. Like, that's how my mama raised me. That's how you're going to survive. Fit in, become invisible. And so, like, I just... I was like, all right, this is how this place is. So I'm just going to try and do it. Um, and part of my personality is like being positive, being optimistic, fun, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it just seemed weird. Like it literally just seemed weird the whole entire year, like this eh, in my stomach. And then by then I, they had given me the Kool-Aid and I was like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. I'll have some. It's not, you know, and then I just by, by, you know, second year I was guzzling and stuff. And then third year I was over it. Mm. and fourth year i was like ready to get me to get me to fuck out of here but um but i uh was a participant in your study um i could say that because like you got to keep me anonymous right. but um i'm curious about you know can you share more about your research what you're looking at what you're examining because i think it's fascinating and i think the world needs to hear about it see it read it all the things right um so the title of my research is the experiences of black males in, in historically white Christian institutions. 
And what inspired me, I actually went to a um, a talk um, with a, a Black woman. She's almost done with her PhD. And she was talking about intersectionality. And she focused on her research on the relationship between Black men and women. And she said something really interesting. She said, you can't really understand the experience of a Black man without understanding the experience of a Black woman and vice versa. Um, because even like our existences are very much intertwined, like are what impacts one impacts another. And I kind of like took that in the back of my head and even learning about like the complexity of um, a privilege and that, um, that it's not always as like directly, um, like it's not always like one plus two equals three. Sometimes like mm. it looks a different kind of way. Um, yeah. So what I had an interest in was at first was how black males in K through 12 tend to be overly diagnosed um, with certain disabilities and yep. and like usually like uh, and how that impacts academic performance. And I thought, oh, that would be super interesting, um, like to look at. And that's what I was initially interested in. Um, but you know, like trying to research you, like it's harder to work with vulnerable populations because, you know, ethics are important. And I just thought yes. like, oh, like how about I just look at black men because one, it would be easier <laughs> than finding like a specific niche. Um, and two, like I can finally like look at like how like patriarchy and like gender socialization like how these things impact um because in terms mm. of college completion rate black women like like there is a significant gap between black men and women so i was really interested like what like what about this like makes sense because at least from like a straightforward mindset it should be like patriarchy like they should be doing better <laughs> but mm -hmm. then it's just like mm -hmm. ah like intersectionality privilege is not as like direct as like it may meet to the eye so yeah. I was really interested about their experience um I did a little bit I did a general lit review like before I even like committed to this and found some really interesting um like numbers like about like the difference between black men and women and about mm. how like there may be like something about gender socializations within black communities and households um and even looking at how, like, in some instances, like, um, like a black woman with like an associate's degree makes less than like a black man with a high school diploma. So, like, looking at like ah, like, could mm. there be like, like external factors? And even because uh, I even anytime I do research, I try and think introspectively outwards. And my mom has a bachelor's degree. My dad doesn't. And my dad makes significantly more money than my mom does. And he went to like a certificate program. Mm. And I was like, let's look at certificate okay. programs. And it was like, oh, male dominated fields have inexpensive certificate programs and they can make significantly more money than people can make a lot of money. So it's just like, mm. how, like, is, is what I'm looking, are these numbers like a, like completion rate an indication of like something like gender within the community or could it be external or like, I'm, I was just curious. So, and obviously because I went to a Christian institution, I'm, <laughs> I was very aware of like 
especially at our school, like black men came and left. <laughs> like like they were here. But within the first semester, gone. they were gone. They it would be gone. they would be like a bunch of us around, like and fifty. And then Ten the next semester gone, and then barely fewer than that by the by the time that's graduating. So exactly. So I was like, and I noticed that didn't necessarily happen as drastically, at least with my friend group for like the class of twenty sixteen versus like the Mm. male like friend black male friend group. Like most of us made it over here, and then there was like two. (laughs) So I was Mm -hmm. just like. Is there something like, especially at a Christian like university, that like that's there's something that doesn't happen at other schools? Like, so yep. that's what um, that's what inspired me. And there's usually not a lot said about they usually group all black people together, and it's just like intersectionality. Like all our experiences are not the same. So <laughs> I <Yep>. thought that. <laughs> that this research is needed because there's not really any qualitative research done on black males in historically white Christian institutions, like done within the last like 10, 15 years. So I was like, why not just do it? (laughs) Just do it. Yeah. And I, and I was a part of a study, but it was also done by a white person. Mm -hmm. And so like the, I think there is a particular like viewpoint that you give and like nuance and just, just cultural understanding like black people obviously are not monolithic right but there are like cultural norms that surpass like socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. all across the board that that are just present and so like to have somebody examine it who experienced it and examine it um and are able to like ask the questions Mm -hmm. i told you a different thing than i told that white person like Mm -hmm. years ago when i was a part of that study and I think literally that that study was done ten years ago, eleven mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, like um, nine thousand ten. Yeah, because it really is almost like an epidemic. Like I remember when I was a, a admissions counselor, and we like asked these questions, and nobody had answers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it my language for these things were like really tough because I knew like it was already one going to be hard to recruit uh, black students. Well, I'll say this: black male students at that institution in particular, uh, it was very difficult to recruit just to get them to come to the school outside of like sports or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that, what was, why would they come to this place in the center of one of the whitest counties in, um, in California where the population is less than 1% black, like nobody looks like that is, and it's expensive. Why, what is the benefit of them going there? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I already knew that it was going to be difficult and they asked these questions that just didn't have any answers. Like I literally did not have any answers um, on how to recruit them. So they sent me, the black guy out to, you know, Riverside, San Bernardino to hopefully recruit more persons of color. But Mm -hmm. we love that. We love, obviously, you know, (laughs) just being a little black face, (laughs) just using a little black face. And that is possible by the way, to use black people as black face for your freaking organizations. I'll just say that. That's how I um, got recruited up in there. I had a black admissions counselor. mm, Thanks. mm, mm, mm. Wait, (laughs) Was it? Oh no! I know who your admissions counselor was. Anyways, um, I was still in that. I was still in the office during that time. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, you know, with your research, it like I feel like there is just so much that could be talked about, so much that could be unearthed mm-hmm. um, in it. What are you like? What are you hoping to uncover um, as you're having these conversations with participants and ultimately um, doing your research and and presenting it to the world? Um, cause I have at this particular point, I have interviewed 
six or seven people. Um, oh shoot! Okay. So at least like, and that is a lot for y'all that don't know. Like to get one-on-one <laughs> interviews for an hour to do thesis work, unpaid. That is that is a feat. Seriously, it's an accomplishment. So uh, yes. yeah. But um, I one of my participants, um, we talked offline after our interview because he was just like there's certain like because he went like full names everything like afterwards he talked about how when he was trying to express to certain people in power at said institution that someone said oh like that's hearsay because you didn't like report it it didn't you didn't report it didn't happen um, which when I heard that, I was like, that language sounds familiar with other issues. <laughs> um, but I, not to say because their experience is valid, whether I do like my own research on it, like that I'm yep. doing a, like a social scientific educational study that I hope after I graduate will get published. I'm at least going to present it that mm. they, there would be some not like a like a you have to listen but like it's out there like it's in academia like when someone wants to look at black people in christian higher education like my thing is going to come up you know um and i know because even we as black alumni we tried to do try to do free labor after don't know why but we did and um and like yep. they said, the institution didn't want to listen, but I think that the world needs to hear their experience. And also, there's still a lot of outdated research on Black people in education, period, that I just period. think yep. um, needs to be revamped. Um, and it's because especially like even some studies that came out in like the 90s and early 2000s where it's just like, oh, their cultural background is the reason why they're failing. It's just like... <laughs> like no <laughs> is it though no so um so yeah that's that's what that's my hope um mm. for it and i think even because i think all of my participants so far have graduated from said institutions it would be my hope to get people who like which is was so hard because a lot of people who like left like some people blatantly were like, I'm not talking about it and like did not respond. Um, mm. So it'd be my hope that like this would encourage like some people who like who left after a year or two whose experience was probably a lot more traumatic <laughs> than yeah. the people who stayed. Um, I, like I would hope that this would encourage more storytelling and sharing, you know? So, yeah. 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 No, I, I hope so. I think that it is, um, and thank you so much for sharing that. I think that that's a, a beautiful hope, um, especially to like present more information out into the world, in particular academia. Like it's just academia is so slow, so archaic, and it takes forever for it to catch up to anything that's actually happening in the real world. Continue my thought. I, I really do hope there's other folks that come and share. Why? Why did you leave? You know, what was that? What? What? <laughs> how are you smarter than all of us? <laughs> decided to, you know what I'm saying? Like, what did you see that was just like, a, uh-uh? Um, Cause I'm really curious uh, to hear what comes out of this study. So I'll be the first to read it. Um, and what's 
interesting now is that because I got a you know a master's degree, when I read those academic papers, I understand what the hell is going on. So I, feel, <laughs> I feel good. I feel good. Yeah, yeah you know I'm not how confused. The sampling is. I know what this is. And <laughs> the seven, I know what that means. Like <laughs> lowercase n, like I know. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So that's so good. That leads me to another question because you talk about how you want to put this research out into the world, share mm -hmm. it. You want people, when they look this up, obviously they're going to see Mariah Poitier and your research title, whatever it is, um, once it gets published, because it will get published. I'm speaking that into the universe. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, do you still believe in educational institutions for persons of color? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> That's why I asked it. Let me think. That's why I asked it. Let me take a long step. <laughs> <laughs> because my mind just went. <laughs> yep. um, yes. Gather, no. gather, gather your thoughts. Go ahead. Gather your thoughts. I would say yes and no. Okay. Because, at least from a sociological standpoint, education, like schools, the education system has great socializing power. And, mm. and instilling values, norms, because at a certain point you spend more time at school than you do at your parents' house um, mm. or your like, or your family's house. So I think it has the potential to make really great people and be, um, be a part of a solution for a societal problem. Um, however, what we've seen in the education system, not just at schools like said institution, even me looking back at my K through 12 trauma as being a black female student, like, like even like thinking about like dress codes and like, mm. you know, making people do the pledge of allegiance, which, like you know, like all these other weird indoctrinations and giving certain like, oh, like. Why is like a like a fifty year old man telling me like that my shoulder being out makes him uncomfortable? Like no one thought the mm. question, like why that is weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I was ten. <laughs> like I was yeah. not on that yep. page. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So I think education has the power to do so. And even if you look at you know like HBCUs which I think are a better alternative PWI, but they even have their own set of issues, you know? They do, yeah. Um, and so I I think using like an intersectional lens of being like, who are we putting in the forefront? What's the curriculum? What are we teaching? What are we indoctrinating? Because we all get indoctrinated and socialized. I just think we have to pick what we want to be indoctrinated with and socialize how if that answered your question. Mm -hmm. So I kind of walled the fence there, but I, I, I stay to my point. <laughs> yeah. You, you walk, you walk that line really well, but the thing that you just mentioned just made me uh, remember something that the president of said institution said, and that means something completely different to me now um, after you said this and everything that I know now. Um, when I was a missions counselor, he would speak um, to the incoming freshman class. And he would say this line every single year. When you come and you're, you're choosing an institution, you want to think four years in advance and say, like, is this the, the people that I'm meeting, this institution, this place, this represents uh, like a, an identity. Is this who I want to be in four years? Mm -hmm. Right. 
is this the person that I want to be in four years? Is this person going to get me to where I want to be in four years? And I think about that now. And like, as a black person that went to that school that was like continuously indoctrinated by all of these things um, and like policed and just uh, the racism experts, all of the things, I'm like, that means something completely different. What are you saying um, when you're talking to students? What are you saying in particular, this older white man saying to black and brown students who like this entire institution, the very structure that was built on and everything that's holding it up is white and whiteness. Mm -hmm. Like, are you saying that I need to become white at the end Mm -hmm. of the day? Like at this institution that this is, if I want to attend here that I have to become white, Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's really that's a pill you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so um but at the same time going to what you're saying every institution has its issues um the educational system is again archaic and old and needs to be changed but um no you answered that question very well (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm getting my master's in education i i I have to answer these questions i like the pride pride be like Mariah can't get a master's degree after answering that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, okay. Um, we both went to uh, this place. Um, and I have my own, I have my own, my, my ideas of like education, what you need after you graduate high school has changed. Like mm-hmm. if I were to give myself advice, when did I graduate high school? Ooh. Like 12 years ago? Girl, nobody asked you. No one asked you. Nobody said, Mariah, please share with the class. Nobody said that. It was, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. So I'm pushing 12 years. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably would have said, like, take some time, like, understand what you actually want. Because, like, if I actually thought about it and waited, I was much more passionate about business, much more passionate about, like, psychology. Even sociology, I, I like literally almost, I took all three of those classes and loved it way more than I loved actual like law. Mm-hmm. And I waited till like second semester, two months before I graduated to say, I'm not going to law school. Mm-hmm. And it like spit me in a spiral. So I would have took like a break, would have like examined some other places, probably went to, went, went to a public institution because Lord knows your boy didn't need like 80000 $85,000 in debt. You know what I'm saying? So what advice would you give, you know, to any current college students that are like at a predominantly white institution or even like about even, you know, these students that are that are thinking about school now? Because I have I have all kinds of listeners. So what advice would you give them? Oh, okay. I would say one, I would like the whole money aspect, like even though said institution was crappy and shitty and if it was on fire i would not throw this little drop of water i have in its general direction it was free Mm. (laughs) so Mm. like that is such a big part and i i know at least here in california that they're now like doing like community college for free and like all this type like Mm -hmm. there's better options than there was like four or five years ago um, do not yeah. get yourself into debt trying to go to some school, even some school that seems perfect, because even schools that seem perfect aren't. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and I would also look at like the retention rate for different demographics that you're in. Um, mm, because mm. if I would have saw said institution's retention rate 
I would have walked in a little bit more concerned and a little bit more aware of what I was walking into. And um, ask some harder question of my admissions counselors. Honestly, I would ask really hard questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I don't know. I wouldn't be too, at least if, if any of y'all are still in high school, I would do, if you're in high school, you can take junior college classes for free. Like I mm-hmm. would start those like ASAP because one, they count like, um, like as GEs. So that saves you mm-hmm. money and you can kind of figure out what you want to do a little bit earlier. So when you actually yep. go, you'll like know, but also know, like, even if you don't like use not, you will use some part of your major, but like, yeah. um, you can like, your life will continue. Like after you graduate mm-hmm. college, like life is so much like, cause college seems like this big thing right now, but there is going to be yep. a time. Like no one's going to ask you what your GPA is. I have magna cum laude on my, on my diploma. Not a single person has asked me. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like just realize that life is going to go on. And even if it's like, not to say you should tolerate an abusive, racist, like homophobic, all this type of institution that we attended, but just know that they're like, you will be done with college someday and you're going to move on and life is going to be good. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how like the approach that I've taken and monetizing my trauma with research so you know like i like the hope is to monetize it you know because trauma is not free therapy isn't either (laughs) yeah (laughs) you got damn right (laughs) that's good that's so good oh man yeah i mean i just want to echo that too and as you're talking mariah like i'm just thinking about like all those people that are like oh i gotta go to college i gotta go to college i gotta go to college Uh, and and to even think like, yo, like sometimes college really ain't the mm-hmm. answer. Like it really ain't. Like there's so many like certificate programs. If you if if you if you really want to attend college, go for it. Mm-hmm. But I would say like if you are weighing the options about going to college or getting a job or whatever, go to a community college for the first year. See how it is. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. And now it's free for people in California. You know what I'm saying? And just like, see how, see how you enjoy it. Do you, this is something that you want to want to do. And then like the college experience in and of itself is like drastically different from a community college, but at least like you get an idea of classes and classwork and you're working and kind of figure out that balance. And then you can do like the old transfer thing. Like there's so many options. I think when I was in high school, like the only option I was presented was college by my mom. And I mean, she was just trying to do the best that she could for me. And that was the only option that seemed like the best at the time. But like, she wanted me the hell up on out of Barstow where we were um, my last couple of years of high school. But the, but yeah, just like take your time, understand like Mariah, you, you hit it on the, on the nose. Like college is only four years of your life. There's just so much more after like my late twenties are way better than my early twenties. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, because as being twenty three, I I don't know what the fuck is going on. Keeping it like one hundred and twenty percent. I'm over it. Like the fact that I feel like I'm sixteen but have real life responsibility is, is ass. I paid rent yesterday, and you know how much is in my bank account? Thirty dollars. That is where I am. <laughs> college again like I feel more lost like the day I graduated I was more like I thought I had a plan like I'm more lost than I was 
like a year ago. But you know, God mm. provides, and I'm just gonna keep yes. getting yes. until until I find a money tree, and then I'm just I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I hear you. I hear you. To quote the great uh, Anderson Park. Uh, so, uh, Mariah, thank you so, so much for uh, coming on the pod. I really appreciate you and your time. I want to make sure that those who can participate in your research, um, those who want to find you, stay up with you, uh, that they can. So can you go ahead and plug yourself? How can they reach you? Those who um, qualify for your your research, how can they get in contact with you? Can you outline who are the participants in your research again all the things okay so in order to qualify for my study you just have to be a black male be trans male um or um non-binary mask and attend an institution that was historically white christian even if like the affiliation is still a little loose but if it was a christian university or college feel free to contact me. Uh, my name is Mariah Poitier, M-A-R-I-A-H. And then my last name is P as in Paul, O-I-T-I-E-R. Um, you can literally mm. just put my name in LinkedIn and DM me there. Or my my, my San Francisco State. I'm sorry. It's all good. And you actually let the name fully slip way earlier but i just let it go it was so it was so fast like yeah it was only once though you may have slipped it a couple times but i only caught once that's hilarious i think i'm gonna keep this in i think we gonna keep this in because this is funny as hell <laughs> my my san francisco state email is my first, <laughs> first letter of my first name m Poitier, P-O-I-T-I-E-R at mail.sfsu.edu. Um, okay. Yeah, but if you Google my name, I'm the only Mariah Poitier. So like you can- Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the only. All right. I'll also put all of your information in the show notes. Uh, you can catch her there. Reach out to her. Um, keep up with the fam. She is good people's um, always post dope stuff. Um, and she's a double agent, uh, NorCal SoCal. Um, who, who, where does her allegiance lie? Obviously in NorCal. Um, oh. Awesome. Mariah, <laughs> thank you so <laughs> Mariah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. With additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas. With music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace.